Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Scott. It is great to have you with us today, whether you're streaming with us, our online campus, or you're here in person. I can't believe we're already in the second week of our Christmas series. Two weeks from now will be Christmas Day. That is crazy to think about. I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. I I could stand for it to be between 75 and 85 degrees, though. may take a little bit of the spirit away from Christmas, but the older I get, the more I like warm weather. But we are so thankful that you've joined us for our Christmas series. And Matt kicked this off last week, and we're looking at some of the gifts that Christ brought us that very first Christmas. And Matt talked about the gift of hope last week and how we put our hope in the wrong things often, right? And Christ wants us to put our hope in Him. And so kind of continuing along those lines, we're going to look at another one of those gifts today, and I want to look at the gift of joy. Joy is something we talk about a lot this time of year. You know, you hear it in movies, the Christmas movies, you hear it in the songs that we sing, you see it you know, displayed in decorations and things like that. We're always talking about joy. Now, most of the year, we don't talk about joy. We talk about being happy, right? Being happy or happiness. But today we're going to talk about joy. So what is that? What is joy? And if you look at a definition of joy, it's an emotion that's comprised of feelings of happiness, feelings of contentment, and feelings of harmony. Now, often we will interchange the word joy and happiness, and they're not really the same thing. They're two different things. Happiness is really caused by a particular event happening in somebody's life, right? Whereas joy comes from within. So in other words, we could be happy about something, but we're not necessarily joyful. But when we're joyful, we know that we're happy because it comes from inside of a person. And real joy is knowing I can go through life and face anything because of the strength that God gives me or the love that God gives me. No matter my circumstances, no matter the the situation, God's still with me. And that should bring us joy. And really, that's the message of the Christmas story that we're going to look at But joy, I want to propose, doesn't come from the things we have or what we have. Joy comes really from what can't be taken away from us. That's a great way to look at joy. Joy is these things that cannot be taken away. For example, your boss could take away your job, right? You could get fired. You could lose your job. And that's going to have a, a, a hindrance on your happiness for a while, but your boss can't take away, you know, the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. Or somebody could take away a relationship from you. Your spouse could leave you. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend could break up with you. A friend could say, you know, I'm done. I don't want to be friends anymore. And again, that's going to impact happiness, but they can't take away the love that Christ has for you. So joy really is those things that cannot be taken away from us. And the scripture gives us a lot of instructions when it comes to joy. And I want to look at 1 Thessalonians. If you want to follow along with our notes, you can just download that Church Center app to your phone. They talked about 
in the welcome video. But 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this, always be joyful. Now that's an easy verse to memorize, right? Always be joyful. We could memorize that in about a minute. And it's a good verse to memorize, but that's incredibly hard to do, isn't it? Always be joyful. Now, if we took away that word always, and it just said be joyful, we could do that. Right? Oh, I was joyful. Uh, When I went to college, I was joyful. Or I was joyful when I got that promotion. Or I was joyful when we had our kids or when we started dating. But to always be joyful, is that even possible? And I think the message that God's trying to give to us is as long as we're trying to tie our joy back to a circumstance or back to a particular situation in our life, if we're always looking for perfect conditions in order to have joy, then it's not going to last or we're missing the point. Even if we had perfect circumstances for a period of time in our life, it's not going to last forever. So to always be joyful, we got to figure out, okay, then how am I going to find joy in the hardships of life, right? How am I going to find joy when there's problems and when there's difficulties and things aren't so perfect in the world? How do I have joy that's going to last? And really, that is the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that God came sent his son into this world, and Jesus came into a messy world to bring us joy. Let me ask you, does anybody have a messy world right now? We all do, don't we? We're always dealing with some mess. Maybe you've got a relationship mess. Maybe you've got a family mess, or you've got a, a health mess, or, or, or a work mess, or whatever. We have a messy world. So God sent Jesus into this world to help us to always have joy. And we're going to look at a few of the people that were in that very first Christmas that were involved with the Christmas story, and we're going to see how they had joy. All of them had joy. The shepherds we're going to look at in particular, they had joy. Mary and Joseph obviously had joy. They speak of their joy. The wise men found joy. All of these people that had this joy that God brought to this earth, they experienced it and it's recorded for us in the scripture. Why? So that we know God's promises. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we have the scripture. So we know the written promises of God. And that promise that was delivered that first Christmas to have joy, great joy, that promise is available to us today. So let's look at Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And it says, such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us. And the scripture gives us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. The promise he fulfilled of sending joy that first Christmas is the same promise that can be fulfilled in each and every one of us. That joy still happens today. So if you're taking notes, learning number one, joy is available to us right now. It's available in our everyday life. It's here. It's in the present. It's where we're living today. Joy is available to us. We have to find joy no matter what we're dealing with in our life. 
And that's what the shepherds discovered. And so I want to look at that part of the Christmas story, a story that's probably familiar to a lot of you. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at this story multiple times. But we're going to start in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So here you have these shepherds, and they're doing what they do day in, day out. They're watching their sheep. Shepherds are kind of like uh, dairy farmers. They never get a day off, right? Dairy farmers never get a day off unless somebody comes to the farm and says, hey, I'm going to milk the cows twice today, twice tomorrow, and twice on Sunday, and I want you to take the weekend and go away. They're not going to get a day off. It's the same with the shepherds. They had to protect those sheep. They had to guard those sheep from predators. And so they're doing what they normally do. And in the middle of their normal day, their business as usual life, God shows up. Joy shows up. And I think the message to us is joy shows up in our normal lives. It shows up in our everyday lives. In other words, joy is already here. When we're going through our normal day-to-day life, just like those shepherds, God wants to give each and every one of us joy. Now, we don't have to do anything extraordinary to get joy. You know, we don't have to go shopping, go on a shopping spree for the weekend to get joy. We don't have to, you know, play golf or go fishing with our friends or buy a new car to get joy. It's already here. And do you realize there's only one thing that can keep joy from your life? And that's you. Right? I'm the only person that can keep joy from my life. You're the only person that can keep joy from your life. We're the only ones that can block it. Now, notice what happened in the lives of those shepherds. It said God didn't just show up, did he? It says God suddenly showed up. We know what that word suddenly means, don't we? Suddenly, our world gets turned upside down. Suddenly, we get a phone call. Suddenly, there's a diagnosis. Suddenly, there's a car accident. Suddenly, something happens, and it turns our life from good to bad. Suddenly, everything gets worse. But what we forget is that word suddenly is also a good word. We forget that suddenly God can do something new in our life. Suddenly, God can change our circumstances for good. I mean, that's what happened here. Suddenly, God showed up and brought joy. So I think we can start to look at life a little differently and see that no matter what's going on, no matter what we're dealing with, God's there. His love is there. His joy is there. And no matter what's going on in my life or the circumstances, he's going to show up in my life. And he can do good things 
in my life. And that's what happened to the shepherds. Suddenly, joy was there. Joy isn't one of those things that we have to spend the rest of our lives trying to find or trying to discover. It's simply something that God sends in our life. I bring you good news that brings great joy to all people. So how does it come into our life? You know, a lot of people think, well, you just got to work hard for joy. You got to climb the corporate ladder. You got to achieve. You got to have success. And then you're going to have joy. Or other people think, well, you just got to ignore all the bad in the world. You got to turn off the TV. You can't listen to the news. You can't read the internet. Just pretend all that stuff's not there. And then you'll have joy. Or others think joy only comes to a select few, right? It's the person who has the money. They have joy. Or the person who gets the pro sports contract. Or it's the person that has the great family and the great relationship. Those are the only people that joy is reserved for. But God tells us that he wants to bring joy in everybody's life. That's why he sent Jesus that first Christmas. It's not found in our accomplishments. It's not found in our situation or our circumstances. God simply sends it. And the problem is, when it comes to joy, so many people miss it. So many people miss the joy that God sends. So learning number two, joy is sent from above. It comes from God. Now the angel said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. What does that mean? What's the difference in good news and great joy? Well, good news is something that happens to your friend. You know, your friend comes and they share something with you, man, you're not going to believe what happened in my life. I I bought a scratcher ticket and I won $100,000. That's good news, right, for your friend. It becomes great joy when it happens to you right? Good news becomes great joy when it becomes personal, when it happens to us. And the joy of Christmas is that Christ came for each of us. He didn't just come for the world. He came for us personally with a plan and a purpose and a promise for each of our lives. And so when we realize that, wait a minute, he didn't just come for the world. He came for me that becomes great joy, right? That's, and when we embrace that, that's when the good news becomes great joy. Now, let me ask you this. When you experience great joy in your life, when something incredible happens, what do you do? It's like your buddy told you they won the scratcher ticket. You tell people, right? You experience great joy and you tell people. That's what the shepherds did after they experienced that great joy. Luke chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. After seeing him talking about Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. You know, sometimes we, okay, that's great. We love hearing somebody's story. Other time, well, that's not that big a deal. We don't care about hearing it. But these shepherds, they go out and they shared their joy. And the people weren't put off or uninterested in the shepherd's story. They were blown away. They were captivated by this possibility 
of great joy. That was good news to them at that point, that they could have great joy. And how many of us need good news in the world we live in? But that's what you do. If you experience something great, you share it. And if we've experienced the great joy of Christ in our life, we have a responsibility, just like the shepherds, to share it. Well, how do you share it? You tell people how Christ changed your life. Or you just bring them to church. I tell you that all the time. You bring them to church, and I will tell them how Jesus can change their life. we got four services coming up on Christmas Eve Eve and Christmas Eve. It's a great time to bring somebody to church so they can experience the good news turning into great joy in their life. Do you realize people are more receptive to God this time of year than any other time of the year? Because we're in Christmas season for so long, for like a month, unless you work at Walmart and it's like three months, right? We share it. It's like this thing that's happened to us, this little secret, and we just cannot contain it. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to share that great joy. So back to that verse we kicked off with, always be joyful. Now, we have to realize that joy can sometimes be a lifelong process for us, right? As we experience joy, sometimes it's going to ebb and it's going to flow, but some people don't find that great joy right away. For some people, it's a process. Think about the wise men, right? They see the star in Bethlehem. They hear about the newborn king, but then they had to leave their homes and they had to go on a very long and difficult journey in order to find that joy. And they get to Bethlehem and they see the star again. And then let's look at what happens. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They had to travel a long ways before they were filled with joy. So in other words, for some people, joy is going to be a process before they ever encounter Christ and have a relationship with Christ. In several scriptures, the, the, the Bible makes it clear that that's how it happens. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the process. Again, the weeping comes first and then the joy. Jesus said the same thing. John 16, 20. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve but your grief will turn to joy. I think often we don't even want to think about it, but sometimes we grieve and we mourn our way to joy. We grieve and mourn our way to joy, realizing that in the midst of my pain and my agony and my grief, that God's with me no matter what, that he can bring joy to me even in the midst of, of my difficulty. So joy can be a process. And I think the hardest part of the joy process is taking the first step. It's taking the first step. Why? Because joy can be scary. Embracing Christ can be scary. You know, we have to let go of this in order to hold on to that. Another person in the Christmas story that I think we kind of skip over at Christmas because it's after that part of the Christmas story we, we read. But it's a guy by the name of Simeon. 
And Simeon dedicated Jesus at the temple after his birth. I think Jesus was 40 days old. And he recognized Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. And this is what he said in Luke 2, 34. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. What did he mean? He meant many are going to fall because they're not going to find joy. And others are going to find joy, and they're going to be the ones that rise. And if you know uh, the Scripture and you know the Christmas story, the people who fell were those who were already in power. People like King Herod or Pilate or the religious leaders, right? The Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. They were the ones that fell because they weren't willing to let go of what they knew. They were clinging to what they knew about God, and they couldn't embrace the fact that Jesus came from God. So they didn't get that joy that God brought that first Christmas. But then the people who rose were the people who recognized who Jesus was and that Jesus was the Messiah and that he was uh, the king. They're the ones that received joy. They're the ones that found great joy. And I think the same thing's true today, right? Some people get it and have that relationship with Christ and they receive great joy and others, they fall. They don't get that joy because they won't embrace Christ. And again, I think it's because we are programmed in a way we think we know what's going to bring us joy. These things are going to bring me joy. And we're not willing to let go of those things we think are going to bring us joy in order to embrace Christ and receive the joy that only he can give us. We think we're going to find joy in our education, or we're going to find joy in our career, or we're going to find joy in our family, or we're going to find joy in our wealth. And we start to build our entire lives on that, thinking that's going to give me joy. But it never happens. It never comes because that's not where joy is found. And Jesus comes along and says, look, I'm the source of your joy. You're going to find true joy in your relationship with me. It's all right to have all those other things. It's all right to have your wealth and your career and your family and all these things that make you happy at times, but your real joy and contentment and harmony is going to come from your relationship with me. But again, we're scared of that because we've got to let go of what we think is going to bring us joy in order to embrace Christ. And those things that we rely on, our career or our money or our looks or our athletic ability or, or, you know, our status in society, those things were never meant to bring us joy. They're not bad things. We can enjoy those, but our joy comes from that relationship with Christ. That's why God sent him into this world that very first Christmas. Now, here's something else we need to understand about joy Learning number three, choosing joy is a difficult choice. It can be a difficult choice because, again, you're letting go of all of these things you think are supposed to bring you joy. But if you look at Jesus' mother, Mary, she had great joy. As a matter of fact, another part of the Christmas story we don't really look at a lot 
is before Luke chapter 2, in Luke chapter 1, she writes a song about her joy. And I want to read just a snippet of that in verses 46 and 50. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. She's got a lot of joy going on right there. But do you realize that wasn't always the case? We can kind of hit rewind and go back about 15, 16 verses in the book of Luke, and we can read this in chapter 1. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. So we go back 15 verses, 16 verses, and she's confused. She's disturbed. She's evidently full of fear because the angel says, don't be afraid. But then we read later, not much later, she's full of joy. So what happened? What changed? She made the difficult decision to trust God. She made the difficult decision to trust God instead of trusting herself to find joy. And that's because Joy is found on the other side of trusting God instead of trusting us. Now, this is a struggle. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. If you are a Christian, I don't care how long that journey's been for you. It's going to be a constant battle. Am I going to trust Christ or am I going to trust myself? And let's face it, trusting ourselves often is a lot easier. Why? Because ourself is right here, right? Me is right here. I can trust me. Me hasn't let me down. And so it's very difficult. It's a struggle. But once we trust Christ every single day, we're going to have everlasting joy. And there's going to come a moment in everybody's life they have to make that decision. Am I going to trust myself or am I going to trust Christ? The ones who fell were the ones who didn't trust and didn't embrace Christ, but joy is found on the other side in trusting Christ. And listen, Jesus modeled this for us. He fully trusted God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, we know Jesus had asked God, if there's another way that we can do this other than the cross, I'm, I'm all for it. He didn't necessarily want to go to the cross. He was looking, if God had another plan, he was willing to embrace that. But he trusted God knowing that on the other side of this difficulty he was going to face, the crucifixion, there was going to be joy. And there was. I think no matter where we're at on the faith journey, no matter how we're doing, we still look to ourselves for joy. 
and to attain joy. And we still think, man, if I just had a little better health, then I'd have joy. Or if my stocks would just do a little bit better, I'd have joy. Or if my relationship with my husband or my relationship with my wife was a little bit better, man, I would have some joy. I'm almost there. We think that a lot. We think a little bit more is going to bring us joy, but it won't. Even though that's what we're taught, even that's what we see in culture all the time, and that's what the world thinks, that's not where joy is found. And maybe you're still a little skeptical. Maybe you're like, ah, I'm not buying it. I still think these things that I'm pursuing are going to bring me joy. Ultimately, it's going to take a long time, but it's going to bring me joy. So think of something in your life that you've attained. You've been successful at. You've achieved. A goal you set for yourself and you achieved it. Or something you just achieved without even setting any goals. Did it bring you everlasting joy? Do you still have joy every single day because of that? And I would argue you probably don't. You probably have happiness. Those things probably brought you happiness or still bring you some happiness today, but they don't bring everlasting joy. You know what? And you know why? Because eventually the shine wears off of those things. Eventually the shiny turns dull. Or eventually, we start to see some of the flaws and some of the not-so-great things about this great company we thought we were working for. Or if you got a new car, guess what? Eventually, the new car smell goes away, especially if you got teenagers and they take their shoes off in the car. It's gone, right? Those things may bring us happiness, but they don't bring us everlasting joy. So here's a thought. Here's a suggestion. We can enjoy the little bit more we have. There's nothing wrong with that. We, can, we know we're blessed. We can enjoy our home and we can enjoy our achievements and we can uh, enjoy our food and our family, but don't look to those things to bring you joy because joy is found in Christ. Don't trust yourself to find joy. Trust Christ is going to give you joy. When we do that, I think we can fulfill what that verse says, to always be joyful. We can experience joy each and every day. So final learning, learning number four, Jesus wants all of us to experience joy. That's why he came. That's why God sent him that very first Christmas, so that we could have joy. Now, the night before Jesus died before he was crucified, he was talking to his disciples. And here's what he said to his disciples, John 15, 11. He said, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And we know the next day Jesus dies. He knows that his disciples are going to have to witness the, the crucifixion and all these terrible things Jesus has to go through. And in the midst of all of that, he's telling them, hey, you're going to experience something terrible. But on the other side is joy. He wanted them to be full of joy, no matter what was going on in their life. And that's the same thing he wants for me, and it's the same thing he wants 
for you is to be full of the fullest possible joy. So we have to decide, right? Well, who are we going to trust? Are we going to trust ourselves to find joy or are we going to trust Christ? That's what we have to decide. Are we going to let go of the things? We can still enjoy them. They can still bring us happiness. But are we going to let go of those things that we were looking to to bring us joy in favor of a relationship with Christ, knowing once we start that relationship with Christ, joy is going to be on the other side. It's a choice we all have to make. And I guarantee you, if you talk to anybody who's made that choice, to follow Christ and have a relationship with Christ, they'll tell you that is where joy is found. So let's pray together. God, thank you that we can have joy, not short-term happiness, not circumstantial happiness, but we can have joy, that you are our source of joy. Help us to let go of some of the things we're pursuing that we think is going to make us joyful and focus on our relationship with you. And maybe you're watching today online with our online campus or you're here and you've never had a relationship with Christ. You've never started that relationship with Christ. Let me encourage you. Start today. Invite him into your life. Open your heart to him and trust him. I know it can be a scary step, but on the other side, you're going to get joy. Lord, help us to experience your joy this Christmas. Help us to share your joy with others that so desperately need it. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Just a couple of really quick things before we finish out. There is a group of our youth going to Passion Camp this summer uh, summer 2023. They've had a couple of fundraisers to raise some money for that to support the volunteers and some things that they want to do. Uh, those things are ending in the next couple of weeks. One is Heathwood Markets. If you pick up a grab-and-go meal on Wednesdays, it supports that group going to Passion Camp. And then uh, if you're looking for last-minute gift ideas, guys, uh, Orange Bandana, they're working with them and they're supporting this group going as well. So just a couple of things uh, to let you know about. So our Christmas schedule, and I announced it wrong in the first service. So there's going to be people really early here on Friday, Christmas Eve, Eve. But we're having two services, Christmas Eve, Eve, and two services on Christmas Eve. All four of those services are the same. Pick a service that works for you or your friends that you're inviting to church. But Christmas Eve, Eve on Friday, we're going to have two services, one at 6 and one at 7.30. There's no child care for those evening services. And then on Christmas Eve, we're having two services, one at 1 o'clock and one at 2.30. And there's child care from ages zero or birth to three years old. So I want to encourage you to put one of those on your calendar. And then as a reminder, there's no services on Christmas Day or New Year's Day. And then we will resume services on January the 8th. We try every year to take that last week and give our volunteers a break, give you a break. And we encourage you, if you travel, to stay with your family. If you're here, spend time and focus in on your family and truly how blessed you are. So make sure you mark your calendars 
for that. I hope you have a terrific week. I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon. I appreciate you being here. Join us next Sunday as we'll continue in this series. God bless you guys.